In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. How many of you remember a movie called Inner Space? This is uh, this goes back to the late '80s, and uh, you know I think it was reasonably popular at the time. I don't remember exactly, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna admit I can I can neither confirm nor deny whether I actually saw this movie in the uh, in the theater, but I I do remember liking it when I saw it. It's kind of fun, and uh, it was uh, it's got Dennis Quaid and Martin Short and Meg Ryan and uh, some other people. And uh, here's what it's about uh, for those of you who don't remember Inner Space. Um, let's see, I've got here on my trusty iPad Pro, I guess the plot synopsis uh, goes like this. In San Francisco, down on his luck, U.S. Naviator, Naviator, <laughs> try that again. In San Francisco, by the way, this movie was inspired by the 1966 film called Fantastic Voyage, for those of you who go back far enough to remember that, but... Uh, here's, here's the plot. In San Francisco, down on his luck, U.S. Navy aviator, Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton. <laughs> yes, Tuck, Tuck Pendleton. I mean, it's got to be a great film with a guy named Tuck Pendleton, right? He resigns his commission and volunteers for a secret miniaturization experiment, whereby he is placed in a submersible pod and both are shrunk to microscopic size. Microscopic size. Boy, the words are not coming easy today. Um, and then, of course, it goes on to explain that he, they're put into a syringe, and he's supposed to be put into this uh, ra lab rabbit, of course. Uh, but, you know, the, the evil villain shows up, and somehow he ends up getting ejected into an actual person, which is Martin Short. And what follows is a series of, um, you know, sort of the adventures of Tuck Pendleton zooming around in the bloodstream of Martin Short. Um, anyway, why, why, you ask, are we talking about inner space? And it's because my guest today said something that made me think of this. Um, and, uh, um, and yes, I have, uh, you've probably, you know, the, the spoiler is always in the title, I guess. And so you already know uh, that I have Kayla Ball, my old friend Kayla Ball, on today. And uh, Kayla, if you're a listener of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, which, of course, you ought to be if you're listening to this one, because the two kind of go together. And by the way, this one that you're listening to now is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, brought to you right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network by our very good friends at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Yes, HPE is the sponsor of this show, not only because they contribute, um, well, 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 we want them as our sponsor, not only because do they... Uh, do they help us pay the bills? But we love what they are doing for the industry, just like all of our other OGGN sponsors. Um, we, we work with people not just who are willing to throw money at us, but we want to have sponsors that are really, truly having an impact, a good impact on this industry that we love so much. So HPE is no different. And if you are not already a fan, then you need to go to hpe.com and become a fan because I'm telling you, all this cool stuff that we're doing in the industry now that we talk about on on this show and on the tech show, um, all this, you know, the machine learning and the AI and the edge computing and it, all of that, you know, all of that has to run on 
on computing platforms that are up to the challenge, that are that have the, the performance and the security capabilities and the scalability and the long time, you know, manage, be able to manage them and operate them in all these crazy environments. HPE is building that and they are bringing it uh, to the party uh, here in Oil and Gas. So have a look at HPE.com, learn more about them. Now, Back to Kayla and my conversation there. As I mentioned, I had Kayla, or maybe I maybe I didn't. I was about to mention that I had Kayla uh, on the tech show some months ago. So uh, for those of you don't 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 stop listening to this one right now. Finish listening to this one, but then go back and listen. Yeah, I think it was in May or April or something like that. But you can find uh, where we talk a little bit more about her uh, her company's technology. Today we're going to hear about some real life stories of. Real business impact. How how companies, um, and we're going to talk midstream too, which is kind of cool. And how some companies are benefiting from this type of digital transformation effort. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the OTGN Spotlight, Kayla Ball. And that gets us to our guest today. As promised, uh, and as you probably just heard me say before that exciting musical interlude, I have back on the show today, Kayla Ball from Valadir, and uh, who, who also, we've known each other for a very long time, so I'm sure this is going to be uh, another fun one. But Kayla, thanks again for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me. I yeah. went back and actually uh, listened to our original podcast and thought to myself, do I think Michael is that funny? Why am I laughing? <laughs> Well, I, I was just taking so a drink much. of water. You can't do that. You can't do that to me. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you do actually is the answer to your question. So, um, so this no, this is good. And and I have so as long as we're telling you know the true stories, uh, the reason why Kayla and I are recording today is because she texted me like yesterday or the day before and said, "Hey, when am I going to be on your podcast again?" So, um, so you basically. <laughs> kind of strong-armed me into this. Uh, so here we are. Um, so for those who maybe missed that last one, um, like uh, usually usually I try to be like a good host and I try to say some things about the guest to show that I know something about you, but I'm just going to let you do that that part this time because I've done it for between the panels that you've been on and everything else. I'm tired of telling people who you are. So you, so, so you just do it. It's hard being friends with famous people, Michael. I don't know what to tell you. It's it's a lot of work. (laughs) Um, sure thing. So I am Kayla Ball. I head up our product and development teams at a startup company by the name of Valadir based out of, uh, Toronto with offices in Calgary and Houston. And we are a group of, people who uh, started on a trek to build a commodity data cloud. Uh, So really leveraging all of the third-party IoT, you know, data, anywhere you name it, uh, we ingest it into a cloud instance, and then we have workflow enablement uh, that sits on top of that for a lot of our customers' businesses' problems. Yeah, so you kind of went right into the 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 hardcore technical stuff there uh, what was it yeah. so commodity data cloud you said something about ingesting and uh something else so um and actually it's the first time i've heard i think it's the first time i've heard you say commodity data cloud so what does that what does that mean exactly like what's the concept there yeah so if you think about commodities in general i'm i'm just 
speaking about crude, natural gas, and GL in this Mm -hmm. instance, but Mm -hmm. we will take all of the volumes, we'll take the quality information associated with it, we'll take the dollar amount attributes, um, you name it, we can track it at the molecular level. And so uh, we cut our teeth on a lot of the operations side of the industry. And when you think about things that people are trying to track and manage uh, things like sulfur content, things like API gravity. Um, Now we're also starting to see the rise of calculating methane intensity, carbon footprint, uh, along with these commodities as well. So any any data you can associate to the molecule, we will ingest it and create a system of record to track it. Yeah. So I remember that part the last time. And by the way, for those of you who are... um, who are scrolling back looking for the previous Kayla episode because you don't want to miss the prequel. Uh, it's actually in the other show. So it's in Oil & Gas Tech is when we did an episode. I think, what was it, like back in April or May or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, this, of course, being the Oil & Gas Digital Doers show, we want to talk about a little bit kind of from a different angle, not so much about the technology, but but how people are starting to see value, the real real world value from their digital transformation. However, this molecular level thing is fascinating because I remember you said that last time and I paused you and said, like, what do you mean track it at the molecular level? Um, and 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 then I, rem- I remember you explained how like, like when the molecule goes like into the pipeline at this end, it comes out at the other end, like, you know, like, wh- like who it is and where it's been. Is that, am I remembering correctly? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of complexities to what happens yeah. <laughs> between, between where it enters and where it exits. You know, my talent is simplifying things. <laughs> it's not like cars on a freeway. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you basically have to understand the chemistry and the physics behind everything that's happening from the wellhead to the back end of the refinery Right. Um, on, on a lot of these volumes. And yes, you can map out, you know, even with commingling, um, blending, things like that going on, you can still track at a very granular level. Whereas, you know, five, 10 years ago, everything was still done um, primarily on a volume basis and really at the facility or, or the asset level in general. Yeah. That is, I, I mean, yeah, I can't even really get my head around how that possibly works, but I'll, I will take your word for it because you've never <laughs> lied to me before. So, um, all right, so we're not gonna we're not gonna dig too much into the tech. Although I will I will say that it, it it's pretty cool stuff uh, what you guys are doing, and I know that you're you're um, you're working on some growth plans and funding. And uh, I had I had a recruiter, one of my one of my longtime colleagues, uh, uh, recruiter friend, called me and said, "Hey, these Valadier people are are advertising for like 40 jobs. Can you can you get me a conversation with them?" So you have a lot going on. Like there's a lot of like oh, it's yeah. exciting, right? We're yeah. in a hiring frenzy. It's <laughs> it's the most fun I've probably ever had. I mean, I've been on the other no, side that, of that, that spectrum. That bar is low. That bar is low though. That's not. <laughs> but on the other end of the spectrum where you're not hiring, you're doing more yeah. firing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of roles that we're hiring for. Uh, we're primarily building out our U.S. Uh, headcount as well. So we do have uh, most of our developers set up in Toronto. We've got an office in Calgary. And then we have um, a lot of critical mass building here in Houston. So really excited about all those opportunities. And anyone in the energy industry, definitely go take a look at our careers page and see if something might be a fit for you. Because, yeah. yeah, we're yeah. we're in it. Cool. Um, yeah, so that – and we'll put we'll put the – 
the website and everything in the show notes and um, along with Kayla's email and cell phone number, and home, home <laughs> phone number in case, just in case. You yeah, really you know where to find me. I'm <laughs> I'm hanging out at the Canon on, right. on the regular. <laughs> so I and you know what? And I didn't get to say today I'm here at the fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston um, because I'm not and we were going to be. But, you know, things. So you're there because you're off, officing there. And I talk about the Canon all the time on the show and I love to go there and, but we had some crazy weather in Houston today and I also had a crazy schedule. So even though we are here in Houston together, we're doing the, uh, the remote configuration. So, um, all right. So let's, let's look at, um, so we're going to assume that all your tech works the way you say it does. And, um, and I know that you, you guys have been at it long enough now that you're starting to have some, uh, like some 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 success stories. I hate to use that word success stories because it's kind of a it's kind of it's play, it's play. <laughs> it implies that there are failure stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that's the other. Yeah. Um, actually, I guess that's really a, a good reason to use it. But but um, but you're seeing some like like you've been out there. You're working with real world customers and real world situations, and you, you are seeing a value business value in things that, you know, qualify as digital transformation, right? So, um, and as I always say, we've been at this digital transformation thing for a few years. So we ought to be seeing some benefits from it, um, uh, no matter what the uh, ivory tower think tanks say. So, so, so you got a few, you told me a few stories earlier, Uh, you got a couple of things, you got some midstream companies, you got an upstream company, um, some good stories, where where do you, which one do you want to start with? Yeah, let's start on the midstream side. you know, we have a pretty strong conviction internally that we do not create problems for the benefit of solving them. Uh, so, you know, I think we definitely have a bad rap as an industry around digital transformation and being laggards. There's there's actually a lot of innovation that's going on day to day. It's just about attaching it to critical near-term business problems that you're trying to solve. Um, so when we started working with this midstreamer, um, we got brought in and there were very segmented teams. So you had quality management, you had um, production accounting, you had supervisors, you had the executives mm-hmm. in, in the office, and really all of them had different um, thinking and priorities around how to solve what ultimately turned out to be a facilities balancing issue. Right. Um, so, you know, accounting had suggestions of how they were going to solve it. Quality and volume management had theirs um, around how they were going to measure and solve it. And so really being able to get all of these uh, collective teams on the same page around what were the highest priorities and how could they work on it together um, was a big um, milestone for them. And really, if you think about where things get siloed or trapped um, with individuals, it's because they're not leveraging the right technology in a yeah. lot of ways. And so being able to pull in, you know, all of their third-party lab samples, all of their measurement, IoT devices, right. all of their truck receipts, you know, I mean, there are a lot of data points that you're talking about here. So being able to ingest those into a common repository and then also establish the relationships of how 
you know, the dollar amount relates to sampling decisions, how the dollar amount relates to some of the meter or measurement decisions that you're going to be making, um, really provides a holistic perspective. So, you know, things where the facility would have been out of balance by five to six percent, we could get it within one percent. And that was month over month to where you're looking at an average cost savings of at least $500,000. So pretty substantial in terms of per month. Yep. Everyday business decisions that you can make um, more rapidly and, you know, more accurately by having everyone on the same playbook operating from the same source of the truth. Yeah. Okay. So we got to, let's like back up on that a little bit. First, first part is this, it's really interesting to have a midstream conversation because, um, because we don't have a lot of those on this or on the tech show. I I think just because, um, you know, when it comes to, um, yeah, like midstream. I, my sense is, and you've been out there with these these guys more closely, but my sense is that midstream and downstream have like more recently been discovering, you know, and kind of looking at some things that they can do with this type of technology, right? Or right. with digital. So, um, so there aren't quite as many, you know, um, stories bubbling up everywhere. So we know, and, and there aren't as many. I don't think there are as many like solution vendors swarming around, or maybe they're beginning to swarm around those areas as they have, they have been swarming around upstream for many years. Right. Of course we used, yeah. to, we used to be yeah. in a swarm. And so, um, <laughs> so, so it's really good. It's great to have a midstream conversation. You know that that's happening. I think that, um, so you talked about facilities balancing. So we have a, we have a broad audience, right. And not, and, and that's an interesting concept. Like explain that just for those who maybe aren't, familiar with what do you mean by you know a facility being six percent out of balance versus one percent out of balance yeah so a lot of these facilities are responsible for um taking in a certain amount of crude or ngl or natural gas oftentimes they are blending them to make other products on the back end um, or meet other specifications right. uh, to send into the refineries. And so it's about making sure that you're in a healthy balance of what comes in and the dollar amount is what goes out um, and and whatever profit balance they're looking for there. So it's pretty simple, but I mean, you know, I come from the upstream background and yeah. I had this notion of thinking of like, really, how complex could midstream <laughs> right. actually be? Right. All these upstream, right. you know, interesting yes. problems that I'm working on. Yes. Actually, it's way more complex. <laughs> really interesting. interesting. <laughs> it makes me feel like an idiot every day <laughs> of the week. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people are hesitant to really get into midstream and refining because it is extremely complex. It runs 24 hours a day and it is very reliant on physical equipment. Um, You know, you have things that are actually happening in these facilities real time. And I think it's intimidating for a lot of, you know, quote unquote technology companies to go in there. I mean, if you look at the people that we have on our team, we have paired data science and technologists with, you know, people who have worked in refineries, people who have implemented process yeah. control systems. So, you know, real world thinking partnered with technology and data science is really um, a lot of our secret sauce on how we've been successful with yeah, these companies. Yeah, that's, that's critical. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, we, we used to do those kinds of things with upstream you know, tech companies and stuff, but, um, but I'm kind of with you, like, you know, 
I wasn't up until recently. I wasn't real clear on like who are those people in midstream and like who, who do you who do you go get? But they're but they're there. And in fact, um, so uh, just a little side here. We uh, the the OGGN happy hour scheduled for next week. Uh, well, actually, so for the listeners listening to this, it's probably this week on October seventh. Um, the uh, which we now, by the way, we, we call the happy hours. We we've we've classed them up a bit, and we now call them the OGGN industry mixer. Oh, sign me up! And panel I don't discussion. Do, I don't do happy hours, but I do mixers. Mixers, industry <laughs> mixer, and panel discussion. And uh, and our our friends at HPE are sponsoring this one next week. By the way, HPE also being the sponsor of this podcast. So uh, always thanks to them. And and but the topic is. Um, is and this is something else that Kayla, you and I, you know, used to be in this world. Uh, is HPC high performance computing, which of course we've been doing forever in um, in upstream. But the but the kind of the concept is for the panel is you know it's not just for seismic and reservoirs anymore. Um, and we're going to be looking at how high performance computing, you know, being much more accessible and cost effective now, how you can bring value into actually into midstream and downstream where we never even thought about it, you know, before, but you've got the, you know, we have the, the, the computing capability is, is so much more, you know, much speaking of commodities is, is much more of a commodity now. Are you, are you fine? Is this because, because you're doing some complex stuff, right? Is it the kind of stuff like, would you be able to do some of this stuff like, uh, you know, even 10 years ago with the with the before we had the, the capabilities that we have? Oh, no, no way. I mean, even even the facilities balancing uh, problem that I was telling you about, when you think of where these assets are physically located, a lot of them are out in the middle of nowhere. And it was not yeah, cost effective right. to be, you know, beaming things to the cloud to sound super sci-fi there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually yeah. float up in the air. Back then it was an actual cloud <laughs> with a little spaceship in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just like extremely cost prohibitive to connect remote facilities. Um, also in being able to, you know, understand things in real time um, because you didn't have access to the data. So you get in this habit of making these retroactive uh, decisions based on, you know, computing and broadband connectivity issues that really just don't exist anymore. Um, yeah. They're pretty sparse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah interesting. So, um, yeah, so all of that's coming together to make these things uh, possible. So let's, let's, all right, let's go on to the, let's go on to another story here. What about this one? I, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the, the, um, the region. So, but it's about 150 miles northeast of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, the play. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the play. Can we? Can I mention the play? But you have a good story there as well, right? Yeah. So when you think about a lot of the momentum we're seeing, really on the voluntary market side, there's this concept of certified natural gas or responsibly sourced gas. You'll see it in the press almost every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of upstream producers are announcing these certifications associated with it. So we're working with an upstream company. We're helping to certify their responsibly sourced gas. Basically, the way you certify it is you take all of the compositional volume quality data. Um, you have emissions um, parameters that you run calculations through, and then you can pass it to a third party. Uh, These third parties are like MIQs, uh, expansive, equitable origin, um, all of these um, certification bodies. And so 
really when we were working on that project, uh, we found it interesting that we could also set real-time alerts. So not only are you getting a month-over-month view of here is the gas that's being produced, here's how many um, certificates you're capable of doing. Those certificates are then either bundled in a bilateral trade or you mm-hmm. can list them on a registry. A lot of these carbon offset deals um, are using these. Also, companies that are selling into European or Asian um, utilities companies are required to start certifying that these are responsibly sourced uh, molecules. So that's an interesting uh, twist as well. And so we were looking at it month over month, you know, here's all of the information, here's what its financial impact uh, is. And then we said, okay, well, we're already setting these alerts for, you know, venting activities uh, that may be unknown to the operators. And so we can set real-time alerts on methane intensity now too, to where you can actually get a text or an email real time to let you know that something's going on. Um, at a particular well or a pad location. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I I don't know if I don't know if I want to make the alerts on methane intensity thresholds joke right now, but but we got a good laugh. I say, I say <laughs> go of, for it, man. Share it with the, give just, the people what I they think want. I just did it about the uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there might be a lot of a lot of family members out there who would like to have a product that gives alerts on methane intensity thresholds <laughs> in their home, for example. And and you said that you you are one of those. Like you would buy one of those, right? Yeah, I would buy one of those people. I've got three kids. <laughs> I've got dogs. I walk oh, into my house regularly, and I just yeah. don't even know what I'm smelling or where yeah. it came from. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a disaster. So if we can, yeah, I think there's a whole market there. But anyway, uh, for the moment, it's limited um, to uh, you know we, we haven't reached that that value level yet. But it is. But but that but that's um, yeah, that's that's a good one. So what is there any kind of a um, um, so that, it sounds like you're that one's a little bit more in the early stages, right? So yeah, definitely. I mean. I wasn't even having conversations in the first quarter of 2021 around emissions and measurement and how you could be tracking things. And I think, you know, people are really uh, burnt out on hearing about it. There's a lot of antagonistic language going on Mm -hmm. towards the industry around, you know, not caring. But really, we've kind of taken this almost anti-hype stance on methane emissions. It's similar to... Um, how sulfur got priced into the market in the early 90s. You know, um, market incentives, regulation came in, people just started managing and measuring sulfur content in the commodities. And if you look around at any company today, no one has a head of sulfur management. As part of the <laughs> Nobody, business. Like there is no sultan of sulfur yeah, um, in any uh... of these companies. It's just, you know, something you do day in and day out. And it's the same thing with methane, right? Like you can can measure it, you can manage it. It's, it's pretty anti-hype. hate to tell you. Vulcan, your nickname is Vulcan, (laughs) the the volcano God. Um, So uh, yeah. yeah, So that's interesting. So anti-hype, in other words, like let's like drop all the emotional drama and let's just get about the business of, 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 solving the problem and doing what needs to be done. Cause we have the technology we have the ability to do it. Is that, yep. that's what you're saying? Yep. Yeah. That is, uh, it's so much, I mean, you know, that's one approach, but it's not near as interesting and fun as the, as the drama and, and emotion. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not it's not eye catching, you know. No. Uh, yeah. Upstream producer doesn't, doesn't does make not... a good headline at all. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, upstream producer does not spend one billion dollars reducing methane emissions. Like that's not a great headline <laughs> that people <laughs> want to read. They want to hear about it, you know. Yeah, it has to be has to has to be dramatic. So okay, so that's cool. Um, and now we have. Um, um, it's almost like we planted these out in advance because there's because there's another story also midstream. So I love this. I love that we got a couple of midstream um, stories in here. And uh, this one is uh, I don't what do I have? Oh, about commercial sourcing. So so what so what happened here? What's this one about? Yep. So if you think about the commercial side of the business, so and I always like to segment it into three pillars. You've got operations portions of the business. You've right. got these ESG verticals that have now spun up and then mm-hmm. you have the commercial um, teams as well. And so when you think about um, the people that are buying the commodities from the producers and then blending them to make different commodities to sell into the refineries for their um, projects, that's really the commercial team. And so when we started working across, and we work across a lot of commercial uh, teams in the industry, so this is not yeah, necessarily yeah. one one bad, <laughs> bad instance. Um, right. A lot of times we get walked into a room and we are looking at Excel models. And so we're having these discussions and, <laughs> and the head of the commercial team's like, oh yeah, we're doing great. Our blend profits are amazing. It's everything's great. And then you, they walk you into the quote unquote system and yeah. the system is actually Excel. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because what else is there? That's yeah. it. <laughs> um, you know, I was... I was telling you that joke right before we kicked off around. Oh yeah. Every every time someone says the phrase Excel database, a data scientist gets their wings. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah. I I, I mean, I have to say, so I I have to confess that I have been a a pretty heavy Excel user over the last years, but, but it was only because we're in, you know, well, you know, some of what, what I've, some of my previous life and, you know, small companies and you're trying to, you know, you don't really have people or systems and you're trying to raise money or you're trying to pitch clients or whatever. And so, you know, you do a lot of stuff in Excel or, or, you know, we don't have a much of a, of a I mean, we have an accounting system in, in a lot of cases, but the accounting system isn't, and, and the person who's the, you know, processing the transactions isn't going to give me like a financial, you know, forecast model so that I can tell our investors how much money we're going to be making nine years from now. Right. Cause they want to know. And, um, and so, you know, I've done a lot of like some pretty heavy dude. Now I've never said the word Excel database. Does it, (laughs) does somebody still get their wings? Even if I'm saying that I've never said Excel database and do they get it again (laughs) when I said it right just, just now? I don't know. Well, it has to be in the right context, right? We don't want that type of carnage going on. (laughs) So, so, <laughs> He's killing data scientists. Um, uh, but but here but I can say uh, that from my experience, I have spent many a late night. The reason why Excel is not a really like is it's not that all the capabilities aren't there. It's just that the 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 the, the possibility for error is incredible. Like I've like I've been up at you know past midnight trying to get this financial model. You know, and I think I got it. And then I realized that I didn't 
copy the formula down to this one row on this one of 15 different tabs <laughs> and it's and it's changing the whole picture because I missed that one little thing right and that's yeah. what and so you have so if I've seen that in my own you know simple little world I got to believe that if a company like that is if that's what they're doing then whatever numbers they think they have the only thing that they can be sure is that the numbers that they think they have aren't the numbers they have. That would be my guess. Right. Well, and you know, I don't want to dog on Excel too hard. Look, I list, I look, I look at Excel multiple times an yeah. hour. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it's a tool yeah. in the tool belt, right? Like it's there's a work horse purpose to it, and it's not meant for you know non-linear multi-component type of scenario <laughs> well, model you want to get fancy just, <laughs> or if you want to spend you know 80 hours over the weekend doing yeah, it like yeah, totally right um, multi-dimensional excel databases oh yeah i mean especially when you're, yeah r.i.p <laughs> um you know especially when you're thinking again these are real-time things that are happening and if you're trying to make better, more accurate decisions at the pace that you're required to make them, you have to do these models and you have to run a lot of scenarios within a very short amount of time to understand, you know, what your level of uncertainty is in yeah. some of these decisions. And so taking things that were previously done in Excel, and again, like it probably worked tremendously for a period of time. But sure. when you think about like, you know, a lot of these Excels have been inherited. Mm -hmm. It's like, passing it down the family tree um in yeah. a way and so some some users i talk to they're like i don't even know what's in this thing i just really <laughs> hope to god it doesn't break <laughs> right and, I, and i'm sure that whatever numbers it gives me are correct right yeah yeah and, sure and like if we're off by 20 percent, at least we know we're all off by 20 percent because everyone's doing an excel <laughs> Everyone's doing something, yeah. <laughs> no i mean you're right it's it's great for working out like to work out what it is you want to you're trying to do right. It's kind of like a good prototyping tool, um, right? I think sometimes, but then yeah. So what do you do? Um, so this is this is this is interesting. Um, and usually we would talk more about this in the like in like so in, if we were in the tech show right now, yeah. or, even, or even earlier on, I would have gone especially because you had rattled off a bunch of like things like you made it sound very easy like we come in and we get your iot data and we get this data and we get that data and we put it all together in our magic machine and presto you have a solution and yeah. that's where i usually stop people and go okay like hold on you made that sound really easy but but how you know how how do i get from where i am to that utopian world that you just described same thing like with like with people who are because one of the things we want to do on on the digital doers show is not just tell great stories about other people who are, who are having a wonderful time, but we want to also, <laughs> we want to also kind of give people some guidance on how do you, how do you go to that same uh, utopian future? So like if I'm sitting here and I'm drowning in Excel files and I go, yeah, like that sounds really good, but I don't know. How, like, I can't even imagine it'd be like me. I've, you know, I've lived with my family in this house for 22 years if you ask me about like moving somewhere, I that's not even I don't that's not, I don't even know how to start. I don't know how to begin that process. So for the people who are in that state of life, like how do how do you how do you get there from where they are? Yeah, I mean, really, you just need to align on what you want to accomplish, right? I mean, I do make it sound extremely easy, but there's a reason why companies don't want to solve these problems on their own. It's because they are really difficult to solve. It takes yeah, a lot of project sure. management. It takes a lot of, 
you know, cross-functional coordination, collaboration, all that kind of stuff. And all and that that's, corporate like jargon stuff. Action yeah. items. You gotta, you gotta have a lot of action items and takeaways. Yes. Key you takeaways. You gotta double click on a lot of these the, things, Michael. The, yeah. <laughs> Right. You got to circle back to a lot of these circle things. Circle back, yes. <laughs> so much consulting jargon, um, and and really, it's pretty simple, especially on the commercial side, because anything in Excel can basically be uploaded into the cloud, um, in sure. into a relational database structure. And we take the models, uh, we ingest it, then we merge it with a lot of the third party information that we have access to as well. So think mm-hmm. of things like. Argus commodity pricing, local exchange commodity pricing, and we can really quickly run. And we have a user interface. It's super simple to use. The the end user is actually the one clicking the button to run the models and Mm -hmm. viewing the results, making the changes, and then rerunning it again. And it's a matter of seconds um, to update. So So they're not calling you up and saying, hey, Kayla, can you run me like, like, it's not like a it's not like a consulting service. Like they, they put their hands on the, on the equipment and do it themselves. Oh yeah. They get a login. They have someone, you know, show up and train them on how to use it. We've got video tutorials of, you know, where you should be clicking and things like that. And um, then we typically, I mean, we never give someone, you know, the keys to a plane without giving them a pilot's license first. You know? I thought you were going to say parachute, but okay. Pilot's <laughs> that true. Is that true. So we, I mean, we typically spend about, you know, anywhere from a week to two weeks, just kind of shadowing, checking in, see how things are going, making sure that they're getting the results that they expected. Because a lot of, you know, the, the issues that I see with people being you know, resistant to embracing digital change and digital transformation is because at the at the heart of the cause, we're all scientists at the end yeah, of the day. Sure, we're tinkerers sure. and we want to understand what is affecting the results, right? Is it the model? Is it the right. data inputs? We really want to understand that with a level of transparency because at the end of the day, it is the human that's going to get, you know, walked into the boss's office and have to justify the decision at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, right. We and that, and that human that. wants to be the one who, who goes in and says, we're saving $2 million a year. Right. And did we get to that part of the story? Did you, did you mention that on that? On that no, I mean, it, it's safe to say like on average, we can typically help people realize around $2 million of additional blend profit or yeah. uplift yeah, that's right. um, that's right. through leveraging, you know, systems like this. And, and really, it's not designed to replace humans or anything like that. It's definitely designed to be augmented by humans. It's designed to replace, you know, redundant, really boring, really mundane tasks like entering, you know, values into an Excel sheet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as our as as our friend Ration Toolsy likes to say, I've met a lot of humans and they don't make good decisions. So. <laughs> It reminds me, I need to have Ration on again here fairly soon. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, he said that during an during an AI panel. So that was that was a fun one. Um, all right, so no, this this is good. And um, actually, you know, we're we're doing pretty well today because I I feel like we have a tendency to maybe kind of ramble on and get off track, but but we're like clocking in right now, right where we should be, and we're kind of like at the end of the except except I did want to ask you because you mentioned some interesting things right at the beginning. Um, about Valadir and starting with oil and gas, but kind of looking out beyond that. What's can you give us any little glimpse of what the your future 
looks like. Not you personally. I know what your future looks like, but what am I? I'm like there will be a white claw at three thirty p.m. <laughs> you're downshifting. Already penciled in. You're, you're down. You, so you've downshifted considerably if you're drinking white claw. Um, so so what? Uh, what's what's? what's <laughs> but there's no. But you're right because there's no bar at the Cannon and the, no. and, the and the powder keg doesn't you, open. You got to bring four. your own. So yeah. Um, so what is it? What so where are you guys going with all this? Yeah, I mean, really what I'm starting to focus on and, you know, this is my own little ad if anyone is listening and is is, is in this space and wants to contribute in any way, um, I'm starting to look at these very similar problems across the LNG space, uh, renewable diesel, renewable natural gas, biofuels, when we have started in on these discussions. And a lot of energy companies also have renewables um, operations as well. And so when we started looking sure. at it, we really um, were surprised at how similar the problems actually are. You know, it's very much the same song and dance, just different molecules, different fluid types coming in. Um, so that's what we're starting to look at. And then, you know, we have customers um, similar to most digital companies where we solve you know, a handful of problems for them really, really well. And then they give us another list of problems that they want us to start looking into. So yeah, that's, that's really where we're looking at near term. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually, I will. I mean, that's kind of where it's at. And for those of you, by the way, those of you hardcore oil and gas listeners who are thinking right now, oh man, I just got tricked into listening to a renewables conversation. Um, Kayla, Kayla goes. Wait, Kayla is. You started light. You started your career as a as a geologist after having grown up in the oil field, right? I think I remember you saying something about the pink pink boots or something along those lines. Oh yeah, yeah. So you, so you're, so and I knew you and I have both been around oil and gas for for a long time, and um and and of course, OGGN is still, uh, you know, we are we support the industry and we are definitely pro. Oil and gas, but we're start. You know, you have to look at some of these other things, as you mentioned. A lot of operators are doing the same. You know, with varying degrees of commitment, and um, and we even have a show now. So maybe we'll get you on the. You know, we've got a we have a new podcast we just launched in August, hosted by Joe Batier, which is uh, which it's got a fancy title. It's Energy Transition Solutions, but. Um, but that'd be a great place to have that conversation. And, may, or, and maybe after, after you've been working on it for a little bit longer and you start to see some, uh, um, you start to have some of your usual brilliant insights about uh, what's happening there. For sure. Would love to. I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to be in Midland, Texas next yeah. week. So still working on the core to, oil and gas problems. Midland, as opposed to Midland, Ohio, right? Or Midland, <laughs> Midland Texas. Um, uh, are, are you getting it next week? That, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a nice time to be out there. Next week should yeah. be a good time. So you know where the bar is, right? <laughs> Why does everyone always uses me like I'm, you know, Apple Maps for a bar? Yeah. I'm well, starting to think well, like, I have no, so a problem. The, have you, so have you been? To, have you been to Midland? Have you been to Midland? Have you been to Midland? Yeah, yeah. Midland is so. So a the bar metropolis these the days. The bar is the bar. It's called the bar. Like that's. <laughs> That's it. Well, there's another one. I think there's one in the in the Petroleum Club or something, right? I think. Yeah, there's, there's actually one. lots of them out there. Once no. you have a Target in the city, you definitely have more than one bar. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I always thought there was just the one, and it's called the bar. Like that's oh yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Oh, I mean, um, I'm, I looked at my travel and I'm staying at the uh, double tree. And the last time I stayed at the double tree, I paid $495 a night for my room. That feels like a lot. It was insane. I'm paying like 130 this time. Yeah. That well, it must have been the only game in town back then. But oh yeah, now, it was. But now there's some uh, competition. Those are that's yeah, that's that's a little bit pricey for Midlands. So are you uh, are you, are you flying? You driving? You taking the train? How are you getting there? Flying. Flying. Okay. All right. Well, that's. I mean, that's one way to go. You know. The, <laughs> the, all right. We're done with this. So, so you're looking at uh, you're looking at some new stuff. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get you on the other show to. Uh, uh, to talk about that some more. Any other, uh, any, any parting words of uh, wisdom for those who are out there, especially in the midstream, since we talked a lot about that, who are trying to, uh, you know, who are, who are being forced to do digital transformation and they're trying to figure out how to do it? Um, not necessarily words of wisdom by any means, but, you know, I think wherever people can augment what I would consider really low-level, non-value-adding task. And if you look at your average day, it's all the things that you hate doing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why enough. there's so Fair much enough. resistance right. <laughs> because no one likes doing these things anyway. Um, and really, you know, finding where technology can actually help. So not, again, not creating uh, problems for the benefit of solving them with technology, but taking real business problems, applying a really pragmatic approach to how you want to solve them. And, you know, normally you will have some technology component in there. It doesn't mean you need data science or AI model for every single thing that yeah. could ever happen, but right, right, right. it's out there and it can, it can definitely make your day-to-day -day a lot better. Yes. And uh, you know what else can make your day-to-day -day a lot better is um, calling Kayla at Valadier and having her come and solve all your problems for you. <laughs> So. I'll bring a white claw. <laughs> two for two, one. We'll solve two. problems and we'll have a white claw. We'll have a white claw. <laughs> um, so we will put, so Kayla, thanks. We'll put, uh, we'll put information about you and the company and everything in the show notes. And uh, as, as always, uh, great to, uh, I feel like this is the only time we ever get to talk anymore because you're busy and I'm busy, but um, I, I've, you know, I've, I've been at the Canon, I've walked by your office and you haven't been there. So I just assumed that you just weren't working, but maybe you were somewhere <laughs> else doing something. I was probably on a plane going oh, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a likely story. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, for th that's it. So we're going to wrap this up and, uh, and there's going to be like a little music thing that happens and I'm going to say some more stuff, but Kayla, you, uh, as they say, are free to go. Thanks again. Well, there you have it, folks. Real life examples, digital transformation, bringing value in the oil and gas industry. Um, you know, I say, like, we've been at it for a few years. We should be seeing some value now. And in spite of what some people may think, we are. And so uh, Kayla and some of the work that she's doing, their customers are living proof of that. I also need to tell you about just a couple of things going on here at OGGN. Uh, and of course, I want to thank our sponsor again, HPE. Go to HPE.com and learn more. But you know how else you can learn more is you could come talk to some HPE people. Speaking of things going on at OGGN, which of course, by now you've heard that we have, uh, we, we, are, we are in full force with our monthly, formerly known as Happy Hours, now known as Industry Mixers and Panel Discussion. 
And HPE, our friends there, are sponsoring a couple of them. Uh, let's see, there's one coming up here. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to hear this episode. If you're listening to this episode right after it came out, then there's still time for you to go to our industry mixer on October 7th, which will be sponsored by HPE. And we're going to be talking about uh, high-performance computing. I think I talked, you know, I, I actually mentioned this one in my conversation with Kayla. So I don't need to repeat it now. But uh, there, will be, there will be HPE people there that you can talk to. So instead of doing, you know, like the cool kids don't look at websites anymore. Let's face it. Just go, just come to the event if you're in Houston and uh, and meet the people. If you're not in Houston, then go to the website and and, and get to Houston sometime soon so that you can come to one of our, our events. They're also, and then, and so it's a double header this month with HPE because then they're sponsoring another one on, uh, on uh, blah, blah, blah. so one is on October 7th and the second one is on October 21st, just two weeks later. And uh, I can't remember exactly right now what the panel's about, but it's gonna be a great one. And so uh, if, you, if you miss one, come to the other one and if you, and, or come to both, but don't miss both of them. That would be the worst thing that you could do. That's gonna wrap it up for today, folks. Thank you for listening to this and any other OGGM podcast, which you may be a frequent enjoyer of, as I'm sure you know, but I like to say it anyway, OGGN is the largest and most listened to podcast network for the oil and energy industry. Uh, we got a bunch of shows. So if you want to learn more, go to OGGN.com. You can see all our podcasts, uh, learn about them all there. Or, you know, you go to right to Apple Podcasts, look up our channel because they got channels in Apple Podcasts now and you can see them all all there. But uh, but And get in touch with us. Get in touch on LinkedIn. Uh, we're all easy to, all the hosts, Mark LaCour and me and all the hosts are very easy to find on LinkedIn. We like to stay in touch with the community. So we do hope to hear from you. As always, thanks to our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman for making us sound good. And now I'm going to go find more stories about how people in oil and gas are getting digital done. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. <laughs>